everybody. Good evening, everybody. Hello. This is the Fakeologist speaking. It is Monday, November the 28th, 2022. I do this show Sunday through Thursday at around 8 to 8.30 in the p.m. And I'm actually just setting up the show. Forgot to do one thing. And we broadcast live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, DLive, and also FacoTube. Now, strangely enough, we most of our listeners are smart enough to go to FacoTube. Uh, we have nobody watching on Facebook. Really, almost no one listens to us on YouTube. And Twitter, maybe once or one or two people, and DLive, one or two people. So luckily, most of you guys have listened to me and go right over to FacoTube. FacoTube has the live chat where you can interact with other fantastic FacoTubians. And your chats are converted to comments. And therefore, will stay in perpetuity. On my website, FacoTube. And FacoTube is brought to you by the fantastic, generous donors. And you could be one of them, and you might be one of them. And I'll just mention a couple of the bigger ones. Zyle Pilex, Ezra T, Daniel A, John R. It appeared to bank sharply. Yeah, that's someone's name. Epic Souls, Leah, Pepper, Dirty Benny. And, of course, we have one-time donor, a Petiri S., Donated 0.01 bitcoins. Thank you so much, anonymous. Nick W. Lost Spider Phallus. Dave J. Yes, the famous Dave J. And Rachel Tunax. Go find the others, anonymous. So thank you guys for helping maintain FacoTube because it does cost a pretty penny. And um, but I, I think it's well worth it because on FacoTube I put my favorite videos that I think are worth your time. And uh, it does get. A, Quite a few hits. I, I lift my favorite videos that I think are really worth saving for myself. And I've even put whole shows of other people that I think are really worth listening to. Some of them are better interviewers, podcasters than me. And because of that, they get better guests than I do sometimes. And um, just in case I can't get these guests on my show, because I, I do have a suspicious website to many people they're not they're not able to take my view of the world so they don't want to come on my broadcast and associate themselves with the fakeologists because they just our views are just too out there for some people so but uh anyway if you could you could one of the great parts about fakeotube is you can see how many people are watching the video at the current time and you can also see an accurate view count of how many people have viewed the video. So there was a pretty good interview with Kevin Corbett with Germ, who's a broadcaster out of South Africa. And that already has, I'll give you an example. So we've got, we put that up a day ago. And right now it says there's 19 people watching that. And if you go to the source underneath the description of the video or within the description, you can see, click on the source, so you can click on that, and it'll go to Odyssey. And let's just see, 
Okay, he put this up. Um, he put this up on the seventeenth. So that's eleven days ago. So he's had twenty five hundred views. This is his, I think, his only place where he's uh, broadcasting his uh, video. He, this is his own site. He's got twenty five hundred views in eleven days, and on FacoTube, which is my little site where only a few people know about, we've had six hundred twenty nine views. And um, it's only been up for one day. What does that tell you? Is FacoTube more famous than Odyssey, which is a massive website owned by who know God knows who? I don't know, but that just shows you FacoTube gets some pretty good, pretty good numbers. And uh, if you go on FacoTube here, you can see that I put up uh, my spot on the Tom Quinn show, and. That has 11 people watching it right now, and 259 people have watched that, or listened to it, rather, because it's just an audio, and that was put up a day ago. So that's, I'm pretty pleased with the reach. So thank you all for supporting and patronizing FacoTube, because I think it's a great resource, and it's my resource. I own it, and um, I back it up, and you can download the entire site in one shot yourself. Just click on the top here. Download all videos and they'll all suck down onto your oh hard drive, which I recommend. Anyway, I mentioned the Tom Quinn show, and tonight I I have Tom Quinn on my show. A little bit of reciprocity. So Tom Quinn is there on the line, and he hails from Santa Clara, California, and he said that he just got back from the beach. And by the way, Tom does a weekly show on KCSO in Santa Clara, KSCO. California. Oh, sorry, KSCO. I'm sorry, my dyslexia kicked in there. Sorry about that. And <laughs> he'll explain that. And we did a show uh, this past Saturday, and I got some good response. So I'll read a bit of the response if we have time later. But without further ado, uh, there's Tom Quinn. Welcome, Tom. Uh, do you want to be called the fakeologist? No, you can call me. Uh, you can call me Tim if you want. I, that's just well, how simpler. Yeah, it's shorter and simpler. simpler. And uh, yeah, welcome. You're on your cell phone tonight because you said the power conked out. Right, and thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, to those that aren't familiar with myself, we do. A, we've been doing a show for 23 years on one of the bigger talk radio stations in California, KSCO, 1080 AM. That's actually in Santa Cruz, California. That covers uh, all the Monterey Bay area, Silicon Valley area, a lot of the San Francisco area going inland towards Sacramento, Modesto, Salinas, uh, south towards Big Sur. So uh, we've been doing shows for a long time. And I started it because maybe the same reason you started your show. I was just concerned at how crummy the, the how inaccurate the news is, and I thought, boy, somebody's got to get out there and tell the truth on more subjects. So I started it 23 years ago, and it requested some donations, and it cost me $300 a week to keep the show on the station. And I managed to get donations for that period of time. And if you do the math, that's like a good part of a half million dollars in donations to keep the show on the air. So 
I'm grateful for God's help and a lot of people helping to keep the show on. And as far as subjects go, we ordinarily would do subjects on the Constitution, the Second Amendment, say holistic health, natural treatment of cancer, why vaccines are dangerous, uh, why homeschooling's better, all sorts of subjects like that. But ever since this COVID thing started, we've been sort of in a self of doing show after show, explaining to people very carefully, there are no viruses, there is no COVID, vaccines have never worked, never will work. All the testing, the PCR testing and all that's totally fraudulent. And another thing that needs to be brought up is that uh, the whole purpose of having a constitution is to protect you from tyrants. And there's nothing in the Constitution that allows lockdowns, mandates, or taking away your God-given rights for weeks or months on end by these little uh, petty tyrants like these uh, health officials. And that also applies to Canada because the American Constitution is based on the English Constitution. And you have all the same rights in the English Constitution, and that applies in Canada. We have the United States. It's just that uh, it's it's written down in a different way. Yeah. It's written in a way that not, we do not learn any of that. So we're all very ignorant. I think Americans get to know a little bit more about their Bill of Rights. That's part of the well, curriculum. It's simpler. It's simpler. The uh, the nice thing about the see the the English Constitution goes back a thousand years, and they'd have little improvements, you know, this year or that year. So you had things like the Magna Carta, which established certain rights. You had Sir Edward Coke. You had Blackstone. These were books that were, were you know, scholars that were studied by the founders of the United States. So when you hear something like uh, man's home is his castle, that's from Sir Edward Coke. And that that law is true in Canada. And it's true in England. The only difference is that the English Constitution is so spread out, you have to look through quite a few books over a long period of time. But if you do that, you'll see everything the U.S. Constitution has. They had the equivalent of Second Amendment rights. They had an armed citizenry. They had trial by jury, which came from Anglo-Saxon common law. And you had certain protections for your private property rights. So everything that was going on with this COVID thing was cooked up by the World Economic Forum and all their uh, globalist, uh, creepy-type people. Mm-hmm. And about all the constitutional law across the entire planet. So, so all the things that our ancestors uh, labored for for thousands of years in Europe, England, the United States, and Canada to guarantee a nice life, they were trying to throw it all out on the guise of uh, a, fake vi- a fake virus. I'm just looking here up. Uh, it says here the United Kingdom does not have a constitution. Nor does England have a constitution, neither written nor formulated. The United Kingdom is one of the few countries of the world that does not have a written constitution. It just has what is known as uncodified constitution. But it does say uh, a little farther down, they do have passed landmark bills that have established major new principles in the British constitution are the English Bill of Rights passed after the glorious revolution of 1689 
and the Acts of Union of 1707, establishing the linking of England and Scotland within the United Kingdom. Well, that's kind of interesting. I, I didn't know any of that, but... Um, Where do you get that from? Wikipedia? I'm looking at about-britain.com because, honestly, I didn't know... I've heard of the Magna Carta, but I did not know um, what England had going on for their protection of... Well, their I, I don't really agree with what that says because... Okay. Uh, it's partly it's partly the way you look at it. In other words, it's it's not written down the way. The, the nice thing about the American Bill of Rights and the American Constitution is just a few pages. Yeah, you can hand it to you can hand it to someone. And they can read it in class or they can learn about it in school. It's pretty straightforward. But the ideas that in the U.S. Constitution came from the English Constitution. If someone's interested in the subject. They can go to archive.org, which is a wonderful site. It has historical books for free, PDFs, and just type in the English Constitution. And there's actually a book that's probably 100 years old that, that goes into this, the history of the English Constitution. And there's other books, too. But that's a very important subject when it comes to this COVID thing, because the, the whole COVID thing which was essentially a style attack on Canada yeah. and on the United States and the other countries of the world. It was based on a falling down of the ethics of the doctors and a falling down of the ethics of the attorneys. Because if you had real attorneys, they would have shut this thing down the first day. If you had real doctors that really understood what real health is, they would have shut the whole thing down the first day. So we had this big accumulation of fake attorneys that didn't know the Constitution, that didn't know the English Constitution, that didn't know the evolution of laws in England and in Europe. So they clearly had Anglo-Saxon common law in England that created trial by jury. They clearly had Sir Edward Coke, who wrote a whole series of books on what the what the principles were and what the rights were of Englishmen. They also had Blackstone's commentaries, which Englishmen, and those rights are applicable to Canada too. So, you know, this is a very important subject. People need to spend more time studying it. And basically, it was. The, the weakness of the current crop of attorneys and the weakness of the current crops of doctors allowed all this nonsense to progress. And I assume in your show you've done, I haven't listened to all your shows, but I assume you've done a ton of shows on the fact that vi the whole viral theory is made up. It's all nonsense, correct? Well, yeah, I've been like you. I've spent the last two years, two and a half years talking about this, almost to the point that I'm getting tired of it. But I know it's still going on, at least in our country, and probably in California where you live. I know they're still pushing it, but they're, to me, and I go on Twitter all the time because it's just such a hot place to be these days with uh, that Elon character, who's quite a cartoon character in, in and of himself. But I, I really like it to try and get the pulse of what's happening. And I'm finding that the odd crazy masker in where I live that puts up a post saying go mask, 99% of the replies to those tweets are negative. So I think they've lost their audience at this time. So I'm quite happy about that. 
so I think even the people that have been injected a couple times are now seeing that it was a mistake and they probably won't do it again. They know they've been conned. So I think that 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 solid, I would say it's the mushy middle. Say 40% of people that just didn't commit to it's good or bad. I think they're now coming to the side of the, the no vaxxers, the, the against vaccination crowd, which I think is more like five or 10%. So they're swinging over our way. So I think the 30% hardcore tyranny loving uh, vax pro vaccine people, I think they're losing their momentum and they're losing their sway. So I'm pretty encouraged by that. Is that, is that similar in California? Maybe. Well, I think we're turning the corner. I think we're going to get the upper hand on these people. And I think we're going to put them back where they belong. And to use a historical simile, if you study how in Eastern Europe and places they kill vampires, which was a real phenomenon, it wasn't that common. You had, you had Countess Elizabeth Bathory, who, who, basically drank the blood of 600-something girls. But when they'd catch these vampires, they'd knock their teeth out, put a brick in their mouth, put them in a grave, shove stakes through their heart, and pound them down in the grave, cover them with tons of bricks and rocks, because they didn't want it to ever come back again. And, and that, before we talk about other subjects, that's what needs to be done to this viral theory. It is a vampire, and collectively, we got to find the silver stake and pound it right through its heart, and we yeah. don't want to ever see it again. Now, before so, we go on, just before you go on, I have to remind, because we are going to get talking about the, the whole COVID thing. So before we say anything controversial, we have to leave YouTube now. now there's two people watching on YouTube going to have to say goodbye to you and invite you to go to facotube.com where you can watch this video without harassment and without fear of losing it because it is on facotube which is a user supported site that I run so I'm going to say goodbye to all you YouTubers and come on over and now I'm going to shut it off so there you go so now we're off YouTube this is what I'm, I have to just put a little teaser on YouTube and with the flick of the switch it's now no longer streaming on YouTube and now all the other platforms are on the go so now we can continue talking. You you did ask me earlier what I do how this broadcasts uh, yeah I'm a, I'm a podcaster slash vodcaster where what we're doing now you can't see the screen because you're using the plain old telephone system well, the cell phone system. But what I do, I, I share my screen when I'm in my studio so people can see what I'm looking at on my computer and it's saved as a video. And we're also broadcasting to my own private internet radio station called Fakeologist, of course. And if they go to fake, if they go to fakeologist.com and then they click on live show, you will find links to the live radio. So it is going out on an audio version and a video. So we have our own private network, and that's the way the world is going. 
And I'm eternally grateful that it hasn't been censored yet, but you can expect this will fall under the Druid Babylonian bastards uh, pur purview eventually when they decide that they can't stand free speech as it, as it exists now on the internet. Uh, well, <laughs> it's our job to have the upper hand. Let's take a more aggressive attitude towards uh, winning people over. I yes. think the, this whole thing is being super friendly yeah. and talking to people, and I encourage everyone listening to extend yourself to strangers. I, myself, every day, I just uh, pray and ask God for guidance what to do, and I ask God to guide me to people that want to know the truth about these things, and invariably, I'll be at Home Depot or the gas station, and people just come up and start talking to me, so... Wow. All the time, we're talking to people. Do you wear a t-shirt or anything? How do they know that you're the kind of person they can approach? Are you famous in your community? Oh, a little bit, but, you know, I'm I'm pretty friendly, but we work with a lot of different groups. For example, we have one group that uh, has these immense signs, and they stand on the freeway overpasses at rush hour, like on Wednesday afternoon and Friday afternoon. The current sign they have now, which is uh, probably four feet tall and 25 feet long, it says global, what's it say, global depopulation project in progress. And then right next to it is another sign that says vaccinedeaths.com. So it creates quite a ruckus on the freeway. You know, they get all sorts of honks, pro and con. Yeah. But we, there's like we've tens, had that tens too. of thousands, thousands of people seeing it. And a lot of people distributing literature. I do radio shows. There's other people that do radio shows. So we're just doing everything we can to get the word out there because the, the mainstream media is not doing anything that's good. That's for sure. But um, if possible, and I'm not sure how you've covered this before on your show. I'm sure you've had other people discuss this about the history of the germ theory and the history of the viral theory and how this whole con job came to be. We have talked about it with many different people and it um it's been it's a it's it's a two was it 250 year old con it's it's an oldie and it still works and they can just repeat it for every generation and um they don't have to worry about too many people speaking out because People just don't educate themselves. They got the greatest educational resource at their fingertips in their pocket right now. They have the world's libraries in their pocket. When else in history that we know of has that ever happened? But they are too distracted with the, the daily nonsense to do their research or listen to people like us. Well, I... Uh, Maybe we can talk about your awakening, but uh, where I thought interested is when I was about 15 years old. Yeah. I, my aunt, who was a very beautiful lady, she worked part time as a model, and they told her she had cancer, and they started administering uh, chemotherapy and radiation and such to her. And I could see, I was only 15 years old. I didn't really understand what was going on, but. I could see whatever the hell they were doing was clearly making her worse. And uh, she died from that. And I'm convinced the doctors killed her. In fact, uh, there's no guarantee she even had cancer. That's a disturbing thing. 
Are you are you familiar with Dr. Fata? No. And can you speak right into your mic? Because I think you went a little muffled there. Uh, doc, Dr. Fata? How do you spell yeah. that? Dr. F-A-T-A. Okay. Where's, um, it where's... might be F-A-T-H. Anyway, he, he was... Uh, he was a well-known oncologist. I think he originally was from Syria or one of those places in the Middle Leban East. Lebanese. Yeah. Lebanese. Yeah. He's a hematologist-oncologist, yes. Right. He had his practice in, I think, it was... This is Michigan. And, uh, Michigan. So... Oh, and he's, city? and he's in jail. Yeah, damn right he is, because... Uh, some of the nurses that worked for him were honest and they got suspicious of what he was doing. And he, every single patient who came to his oncology center, he would tell had cancer. And they came there, he'd give them chemotherapy and radiation and he killed bunches of people, uh, just flat out killed them. And some of them survived. The ones that survived, they had all sorts of permanent scarring and damage and damage from the chemotherapy and the radiation. And basically, he made until millions of dollars. And fortunately, some of the nurses turned him in. But um, that's my feeling about cancer therapies. So, so when I was a teenager, I ran across a book. Are you familiar with uh, the creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin? Yes, I've heard of it. Yeah, I, yeah well, he, I understand. He it. wrote another book uh, earlier. It was called World Without Cancer. Okay. So he wrote, you can find uh, that book as a PDF on the internet. He wrote a book called World Without Cancer, and it was a lot of it was a pitch for vitamin B17 from Laetrile, and I think that's a useful therapy. But anyone who's familiar with cancer therapies, holistic health cancer therapy, knows that it takes more than just one thing to to straighten a person out. If they have these sort of health problems, they need to go to like a major health regimen. But the thing that was interesting about that book, World Without Cancer, was there was a couple chapters going into the corporate control of the cancer industry, which as a teenager, I didn't know anything about that. And it went into how the Rockefellers had tried to take over the whole medical profession, take over the AMA, take over the, the schools. You're familiar with the Flexner report that they submitted to Congress in 1909? Yes. So, have you seen uh, a book called uh, Murder by Injection by Eustace Mullins? Yes. That's yes. a very good book, and hopefully the listeners, that's another, so your listeners, if they have a chance, they can look up Murder by Injection, Eustace Mullins, there's free PDFs floating around on the internet, without cancer and Eustace Mullins goes into more detail he talks about how uh, around 1909 Simon Flexner and there was uh, Abraham Flexner two brothers that were connected with the Institute and by the way they were under the supervision of a dude named Frederick T. Gates who coincidentally happened to be from the same town that Bill Gates's grandfather is from and I haven't had a chance to look into the genealogy of it all, but that would be interesting if they're connected. It seems too much of a coincidence to overlook. So so Frederick T. Gates had been hired by the Rockefeller 
foundation to basically take over the American medical scene and also take over the American educational scene. So in the educational scene, he worked through Columbia University, uh, John Dewey, people like that, and basically tried to set up, uh, you know, a takeover of the American schools where they'd be based more like on a Prussian model of a dictatorial titles that take away people's ability to think independently. Yeah. And then on the medical scene, using Simon and Abraham Flexner, they presented the Flexner Report in 1909, which you can still find that on the Internet, too, the actual report. And basically, it was a criticism of all the medical schools in the United States, saying none of them were any good at all, except for the ones that were using allopathic medicine, more or less the drugs that the Rockefellers were making from the petrochemical industry. And so... Hundreds of medical schools shut down, and that included chiropractic schools, osteopathic schools, homeopathy. Uh, and the part that I was most interested in is the natural type of medicine, the natural part of natural hygiene. And these were all influenced by the the natural health movement from Europe. Those, all those schools were pretty much run out of business. And then the other thing was they worked on taking over the AMA and controlling the Journal of American Medicine. So they it was like a military takeover. And around 1910 was when they really started putting the viral theory. So you had uh, people sort of discuss viruses in a theoretical way decades before. Like there was a fellow named Betternick who would talked about that the, the tobacco plants were getting a disease called tobacco uh, mosaic disease, which which he thought was possibly due to some element smaller than bacteria. So he was using filters trying to find it. He never really figured it out, and he was not a malevolent character, but he, he thought maybe there was something smaller than bacteria. And he was like philosoph- philosophical about it, but the, the Rockefeller Foundation picked it up as a reality and around 1920 when they invented the electron microscope that's when they started claiming that there were viruses they would take these electron microscope photographs which were basically mean nothing at all and they would just stick it pointing to some blob that was next to some dead cell and if anyone knows about the electron microscope it, it the, the pictures you take are from dead objects. In order to take a picture, you have to spray it with beams of electrons. So when you see these incredible photographs, for example, of a fly, where you can see a fly's eyes and all the little uh, facets of a fly's eye, they actually, not only does a fly have to be dead, they sputter a metallic substance on the eyes so that it will reflect the electron beam. And so it's all dead. So. When they show these uh, photographs of virus, well, here's a virus with some sort of arrow pointing to it. It's all made up, just like the viral series made up. So that became the basis of them pushing vaccines. I think the real intention was to come up with some way of pushing vaccines on a global scale as a depopulation tool. I often think that, uh, and I've said this many times, that the medical industry was was really taken over and and Rockefellerized because 
they wanted, they needed a cover for all the chemical and industrial poisoning going on with the industrial and chemical revolution. So it's really a, they really needed a cover story or a cover con to cover up just, just egregious industrial chemical poisoning of certain areas. So for instance, if a whole group of people get sick, perhaps from the water that is taken from the runoff of an industrial plant, and they all get sick at the same time and they could they could mischaracterize that as something contagious amongst everyone could get sick around the same time so most people wouldn't know the difference that they were all being simultaneously poisoned so have you ever heard of that idea that they no, re- I, I agree with you I agree with you 200 uh, percent yeah the, the thing is the the viral concept is a perfect scapegoat for every poison imaginable yeah yeah that's um, right and just you know, to make this a little more like a, a story than just the, the repeating of facts, are you familiar with Mithridates? No. Oh, Mithra is as in yeah, Mithridates is in Mithraism. Mithra. Well, Mithridates, Mithridates, Mithridates was the king of Pontus, right? Around two hundred BC, which is the area of Anatolia where current day Turkey is. Anyway, his his he was a king. His father, his father had been killed by an assassin who used poisons. Right. And oh, so right. Mithridates, Mithridates decided he was going to become the world's expert on poisons. And so he, having the wealth of being a king of this vast area, he he, he had his subjects, and he had these scouts, uh, and they collected. Every type of plant poison, animal poison, mineral poison, you could think of, they collected all these things. And he would have these big meetings where they would get condemned prisoners and they would give them different types of poisons and see what the poisons did. He actually would sometimes eat small amounts of these poisons so he himself would understand what they were. One of his projects was he felt that uh, they could maybe make some sort of universal antidote, which actually... I don't think it worked that well, but even for centuries, there were uh, alchemists and people like that trying to create a universal antidote to poisons. So he had this vast knowledge, and there were all these papyri and documents and collections of information they had about poisons. Well, the Romans conquered that country, you know, around 200, 200 B.C., and took all that information back to Rome, and that became the base of the knowledge Romans had for every type of poison imaginable. And you see that with the Borgias, you see that with uh, the Medici, you see that with various, when they had the bad popes. I mean, they had good popes, they had bad popes, but that was like... Yeah, uh, those are the papal families you're mentioning, I think. Yeah, right. So they, that was the, the way things went back then. If you were of the upper classes and some of the lower classes, they studied poison. They about poisons. Well, that knowledge, you can imagine who has it today. Well, Basically, this, this guy married this guy, this Mithra guy married his sister. <laughs> He's quite a character. I put a show link to this guy you're talking about here. Uh, it's show note number three. And of course, you're talking, you're listening to Tom Quinn. And this is show FAK 653. All these show notes, by the way, if you're using any kind of podcast player, I know, Tom, you're a little more old school radio station and all, uh, but one of the great things about podcasts is 
There can be show notes. And if people are watching or, list, or listening to this, they can just click on a show note and go right to any note that I decide to annotate. And, of course, I just put Mithridates, the sixth Uaptor, and uh, his son in the show notes from Wikipedia. Well, the whole, the whole subjects of poisons is very interesting. And to the observant, they'll see that it's really the basis of the COVID thing. And this goes yeah. back centuries. So I don't think the average person realizes how many types of poisons there are. I could wander around for hours talking about it. But um, they would have different poisons made from lead. Different Mercury was a real favorite of theirs. Mercury is indisputably one of the strongest poisons ever. And that's why it's the vaccines. It is a serious poison. And they have many other poisons from different types of plants and animals and including uh, creatures from the ocean. And you see that if you study, if you're interested in voodoo, you can find documentaries about voodoo where, believe it or not, there's an actual couple paragraphs in the Haitian law, law books where they they have the death penalty for people practicing voodoo. And wow. the general gist of it was was that they would administer these poisons to people and put them in a cataleptic state. One of the poisons very well could be detura scopolamine, which witches used to use and knocks you out for days. It puts you they use it like in Colombia, it's sort of like a date rape drug. It'll knock people out for days. You'll some wake up a few days later, and they would they would get these uh, in Haiti. They'd get these people, give them this drug, and then they'd get some doctors that they were connected with to declare the person dead, and they'd put them in a coffin and bury them, and everyone assumed the person was dead, and then they'd get them out of the coffin a few hours later when everyone had left the funeral, and use hypnosis on the person and convince him he was a zombie and use him as slaves. I, I thought you were going to tell me they were going to collect the insurance money, but I guess they weren't smart enough for that. Well, the newer, the newer ones probably, the one, if you go there now, they're still doing it. They probably are into that. So anyway, the, the, the point being, and you, you're familiar with Jim West. Jim West was one of the people who was very interested in poisoning too. So the, the general MO of these people is, one, they're more or less Satanists or into Satanism. They're more or less into killing people because they feel that's the easiest way to increase their uh, piece of the pie. There's not that many of them. They do have a certain amount of money and power. And so basically they, they, they very like, much like to kill people using poisons and different things. So their, their MO was give people poisons when the people realize they're sick and approach the hospitals or doctors, the doctors would be essentially trained or paid to misdiagnose them and tell them the problem was a virus. And so basically, once they convince the victim that the poisoning was a virus, then they propose different types of drugs or different types of vaccines that would supposedly kill the virus. What's a Jim West? simple business model. What's Jim? Yeah, that's for sure. What's Jim? I can't remember right now. Is it whale.to or something? Yeah, it's an unusual. It's it's hard for me to remember, remember but if somebody does... Uh, I think it's whale.to, I think. 
Jim, well, maybe it isn't. Yeah, but whale.to, they fear those who with knowledge and control those without it. I think that is his website here. Wait, maybe it's, oh, Jim West is, Jim West is whale.to. And it's a very old fashioned text based website. Well, whale, whale, whale is a, if we're talking about the same thing, whale is a very good site that has a whole lot of books on holistic health and PDFs and stuff. Jim has his own site. Okay, it's separate. While, okay. We're, while we're talking, and if I find it... Yeah, and you're a little muffled again. Try and talk right into the phone if you can. Yeah, if I find his uh, website, I'll give it... So, um, Jim West uh, uncovered some good things about this whole question of poisons. There was a doctor, I think his name was Ralph Sorby, right in the 1950s, and he wrote a paper, which here again you can find as a PDF, and I think the title of it, and forgive me if I'm a little off, it was Poliomyelitis and Problems in Diagnosis. And basically it was a very erudite article about the history of poisons and how if you went back in time, you could find people like... um, Pythagoras and Hippocrates and Galen and ancient Avicenna. These were ancient physicians uh, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, Paracelsus, who were talking about lead poison, mercury poison, and different types of poison and how the symptoms that they were describing were identical to polio. So that is one of the things that people started realizing that when when you talk to people about how funky vaccines are, if you notice, they always come back to you and they say, well, uh, those vaccines stop polio. That's sort of their go-to answer. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you study the history of poisons, including Jim West's site, you'll see they were using various types of insecticides around 1900, and later on that had lead and arsenic in them, and later on they moved on to DDT. Yeah. And... At the end of summer, you have all these people sick from eating the fruit, and they would often be partly paralytic. And it was basically then said it was then said that they had a virus, a polio virus. Right. So then they got Jonas Salk to which to this day he's considered some sort of saint for saving people from polio. But in reality, he was paid money to make it worse. Uh, he bragged that he'd killed something like 15,000 monkeys to make this vaccine. And they unleashed it on the American people. Most of these children were probably sick from the DDT. At that period of time, I was probably four, five, six years old. And I can remember walking in and spraying uh, these huge clouds of dust on the crowd orchard, which is just... Uh, you know, a few hundred feet away from my home. And basically they were using that stuff all over the place. So it's not surprising that people are getting sick. Then they give them the vaccine and make them more sick. You ever, did you ever hear about the cutter incident? Yeah, or two. And while you're talking, I do have Jim West's website up or it's on, his stuff is on whale.to. I don't know if he has another website, but he talks about DDT and, Poliomyelitis, also. Right, right. 
Oh, that but, is uh, a good resource. The website I have, the website I have them for is h a r v o a dot o r g. Oh right, h a r v o a dot o r g. That's right. That's, that's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Main website. Yeah, I'll put a link to that. I'll, that'll be show note number five. Bythegologist.com is down right now, according to isup.me. So we're obviously uh, having a good show. And um, now that's not going to affect the listeners because we're streaming on FacoTube and you and and Facebook and also the um, Fakeologist radio stations. Those are separate websites from the main website, which is, of course, why I do that. We're DC their own platform which is great so that's what you got do you have any web presence yourself uh no not really but um they can uh hear my shows if they go to kseo that's kilo sam charlie oscar kseo.com and the shows are on saturdays noon to one that's specific standard time um, so there's a archive website, which is zbsradio.com. That stands for Zerling Broadcast Radio.com. And there's uh, an archive that goes back for years. And we've had, uh, like you, quite a few people on talking about this COVID thing, like Andrew Kaufman and Thomas Cohen and just about everyone else that we could think of that had some knowledge about it. That's great, yeah. I'm looking at I, that. I, uh, I'm looking at your site. It's on here, but uh, most of the shows don't have descriptions. Is uh, it says no description yet? So, do you have a way of telling who's on each show? Because on the website, it doesn't show. No, not at this point in time. Oh, okay, but, but you, uh, do you do you know when everyone will? <laughs> Can you remember? Because how do you point to a? I, uh, how do you point to a day when you had someone on that people might want to hear? Well, I have it written down in the original calendar, but uh, as it is, I'm you, just sort of doing this thing by myself, and it is what it is. Okay. Well, yeah, because if I wanted to listen to Dr. Cowan, I just want to know how I'd find it, because I do like it, Dr. Cowan. Yeah, he's got some good things to say. It was quite some time ago. Now, did you get into, in your previous shows, did you get into much discussion about the um, the so-called Spanish influenza? Oh, we've talked about it, just how it was the shot, really, that uh, they gave to the soldiers. That's what really, um, what that's what they labeled uh, the flu. It's just the experimental shots that they were experimenting back then. Well, they call it experimental shots, just like they call these COVID shots experimental shots. But they, That's correct. They knew they were loaded with poisons. Did you ever get into any discussions about how they would uh, essentially create these vaccines, say, around 1900 to 1980 or so, using using monkeys and other animals? Not maybe specifically. You want to talk about that? You can. Well, it's sort of creepy. It gives people a good idea of where these people are coming from. So you had Jonas Salk, Braden, 
that he had killed 15,000 monkeys to make his uh, wonderful vaccine. It's interesting to note he wrote a book called Survival of the Wisest. And in that book, there's a section where he does a pitch for global depopulation, which you would think people would be suspicious of using a vaccine from a guy who's into depopulation. It sort of reminds you of the, the Bill Gates thing. Yeah. Here you have Bill Gates talking about depopulation, and at the same time he's uh, promoting vaccines. You'd, be, you'd think people would be suspicious when they're told there's a virus attacking them and they can't see it. I don't know what it's like where you're at now, uh, but fortunately there's not as many people wearing masks now as when this whole fakery started, but I'm still seeing some people walking around wearing masks, even by themselves, even out in the country, even on the beach. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. it. It is crazy. So, well, they're mind-controlled. Pretty simple. Yeah, well, that's all about hypnosis. Maybe we can talk about that some, because that's an important, you know... Give me some subject. hypnosis um, movies to watch. Do you want to quickly say them again? Because I think I have them uh, downloaded. Right. Or... Well, these secret societies are very knowledgeable about hypnosis, and I would say black magic and Satanism. And what a lot of people don't understand, black magic and Satanism is the misuse of hypnosis. When you, when you read uh, ancient books like uh, The Odyssey, where it talks about the sailors being turned into pigs and different animals by Circe, or different magicians, that was through the use of hypnosis. They were familiar with hypnosis way back then. And when when you had Anton Mesmer in 1780 sort of rediscover hypnosis in France, he became quite a day in France, and a lot of people took note of what he was doing. And I would say he was a, he was a good person. He was trying to help people that had problems with alcohol and different things. But the secret societies picked up on it and started misusing it and using it to create mind-controlled people. So there's many, many books about this, but there are a few movies, too, and the movies are worth watching. Um, one movie that's worth watching, which you can find on YouTube for free, is Mesmer. That's M-E-S-M-E-R. So that's named after Anton Mesmer. Right. And that's a film made about 1993. It has Alan Rickman in it. It's quite good. And it basically goes into how he was attempting to use hypnosis to help people. But when you watch the film, you'll start to comprehend how it could be used to hurt people, too. In fact, one of the scenes in the film, which is very illustrative of that, is that in one of the scenes, he, he had this thing he called a baquette, which was like a tub filled with water. And he had these metal rods coming out of it that the patients could touch to themselves and supposedly get the healing energy from the water. And Anton Mesmer used hypnosis to convince them that he'd put healing energy into the water. And in this one scene, um, had this musical instrument back then that actually Benjamin Franklin was very interested in too. It was called uh, Glass Harmonium. And it had these round of glass, which they would spin like the way you'd have the old-fashioned sewing machines with your foot. You'd pump it up and down. And these glass plates would spin, and you'd put your fingers on them, and it'd make the eerie sound. They're, they're actually a very interesting instrument. So in this scene, 
Mesmer has this room filled with these high society ladies. They're all dressed to the nines with their hair done up and they're walking around and they're sitting at this baquette and they're holding these metal rods. and Mesmer's voice starts getting like a fake healer and it gets louder and more more assertive. And basically he reaches a point I call the healing crisis and he literally, the women went mad. They were screaming, rolling on the floor. Uh, they just went bonkers. And it was through the use of hypnosis and the atmosphere that you created in this room. So you'll see that in that movie. Well, that's what we've just been through. That's what COVID was. That was where they're playing the glass harmonium to create the weird music, where they have the voices on the TV, where they're telling you you're sick, where they're basically just grinding in this nonsense into your mind using hypnosis, repetitive conditioning for a virus that didn't exist, for a COVID that didn't exist. And they know that 20, 25 populations hypnotically suggestible. So they knew that even if they weren't fully successful, they could get, uh, sell God knows how many millions of doses of their vaccine to governments and to individuals by just telling people they're sick. <laughs> just using hypnosis. It didn't matter if the people were sick. It didn't matter. Yeah, the asymptomatic the thing was the biggest scam, saying, oh, you've got it, but you don't have any symptoms. That Convincing people they're sick when they're actually healthy, but they're carrying the illness, that was the biggest scam of all, for sure. Tell me about it. See? That, that's ridiculous. So, that, so that's, that's the thing about hypnosis. So that's that movie on YouTube. You can find it for free. Mesmer, yep. 1993, Alan Rickman. Yeah, I, I link to it. Film, <laughs> another very good film is one called Black Magic. Okay. That was by Orson Welles. Right. That's 1950. So if you go on YouTube, type in uh, Black Magic, Orson Welles, 1950 movie. You'll see an hour-and-a-half-long movie. It has Orson Welles playing the part of Cagliostro. It has a good introduction where they explain where the information came from. And I'm sure everyone's heard of The Three Musketeers. It was basically written by the author of The Three Musketeers. And it's really quite the story. And it was based on historical facts. And what it goes into, I don't think the movie's 100% accurate, but it's, it's, it's got the general story. And what the general story was, it shows on Mesmer as a humble human being trying to use hypnosis for helping sick people. But he is teaching people how to use it. And one of us is a guy named Cagliostro who was connected with all these secret societies who more or less was a black magician. And Cagliostro used not only in faith healing, where it had some benefit, but he decided he wanted to take over France. And he found this woman who looked like Riantinette and basically turned her into a mind-controlled slave and then dressed her up so she looked like the queen and created this false flag where it looked like the queen of France had a million dollars um, from the public treasury to buy this immense diamond necklace and Cagliostro's associates, who were in the media and stuff, created such a ruckus and such a scandal that it toppled the French government. It ended up in the Louis the Sixteenth being guillotined, his wife guillotined, his children were probably killed, uh, probably millions of people died. 
And it was all based on a false flag tied into hypnosis. It's a pretty amazing story. They were doing similar things in the Russian Revolution, by the way. In fact, the COVID thing is the same thing, too. COVID is black magic, some hypnosis to put people into a trance, to take them over so you can kill them, kill them with uh, vaccines or kill them with a revolution or violence or something. It's like a military attack, but it's based on mind control. So that film, just look up... Uh, Orson Welles, Black Magic, 1950 film on YouTube. Another film that's quite good is The Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. Film uh, goes into how the Chinese communists were experimenting with hypnosis and mind control for the American uh, prisoners they got during the Korean War. And basically, the... Some of the initial scenes of that movie are quite disturbing. It shows, it shows, uh, I'd say, seven or eight American soldiers who are captives sitting on a stage, and they're in a very deep state of hypnosis. And then in front of them are all these uh, communist officers observing them. And then there's a host or a moderator, and he's talking about how the American soldiers are in such a deep state of hypnosis, he can tell them to do anything. To this point, he just randomly picks one of the soldiers and tells the soldier that he has to go over and kill one of these other soldiers, strangling it to death, and sure, sure enough, that's what happens, all being done on hypnosis. And one of the main points of the film is that they were going to try to train some of these American soldiers to be Manchurian candidates. To When they come back to the United States, they will infiltrate the American government and basically betray the country. They were using post-hypnotic commands where they would call the victim on the phone, give them commands over the phone, and put them in the hypnotic state so they could control them from afar. And things like that are done. So that's very important that people understand that's basically what this whole COVID thing was. And going back to how they create vaccines... It's it's really so incredible how they would do it. For example, if you looked at, uh, you can find some of the old books from the Rockefeller Foundation. One of them's called Viral and Ricochetled, this by Thomas Rivers. There are other books by Enders and other people connected to the Rockefeller Foundation. And I'll, I'll give you a description of sort of the general way how they'd make these vaccines. They would they would get these monkeys. They'd find some child that they said died from polio. Of course, God only knows the child actually died from. It could have died from heavy metal poisoning or a hundred other things. So they'd have this dead child. They'd tear out the child's cord, grind it up like in a blender, and take that and put it in a centrifuge, spin it around until with, with distilled water until they got like a clear serum. And they'd take that serum and they'd take a cup or two of it and inject it. They'd have this monkey. They'd drill a hole in the top of his head and, and inject a cup or two of this liquid into the monkey's brain. Oh, yeah, it's gruesome. Gruesome. The animal rights activists would go nuts if they heard that. The thing was, if the monkey, if the monkey died, they felt the serum was too strong. Right. So they'd take the internal organs of that monkey, grind them up, 
mix them with distilled water, put them in the centrifuge, get another serum, and then drill a hole in another monkey's head, inject a cup or two of the dairy serum into the monkey and see if it survived. If it died, they felt the serum was too strong, so they do it to a third monkey. Well, sometimes they do it to 10 or 15 monkeys in a and it's not surprising because <laughs> there's no way in the world anyone's brain could uh, survive someone drilling a hole in the top of your head and emptying a cup of uh, toxic garbage in the, into your brain. But when they finally did find a monkey that survived, they felt that that serum was the correct strength. They'd basically grind that monkey up do the distillation thing and the centrifuge. Now, they have a clear, clear serum now. They would add formaldehyde to that, which they claimed was to attenuate or kill the virus. In reality, I think it was just to cause cancer because formaldehyde is a very strong carcinogen. Then they'd also put different variants of mercury in, like tamirasol, and they said that was to preservative. Well, in reality, I think that's just because it's one of the strongest poisons on the planet Earth. And basically, that's how they would make vaccines. Now, for 1900 to Jonas Locke to recently, they're more or less doing it the same way, except they might use eggs and supposedly grow this stuff inside of eggs and stuff. But it's still the same sort of process. Of course, now we have evidence that they're putting other things in the vaccine that could have to do with tracking other types of poisons and heavy metals and such, and that's a big area. There's a lot of people trying to research. So if anyone thinks that these vaccines have ever worked, if anyone thinks these vaccines have ever had any benefit at all, I strongly suggest you look into the actual historical document, what the hell they were doing with this stuff, because it's, it's so bad. It's virtually a branch of Satanism. Yeah. Well, we've been going for oh, just over an hour, Tom. Do you have any closing comments, uh, closing plugs you'd like to make? Well, if anyone's interested in our show, it's on Saturday noon to one, and that's uh, KSCO. You can get it on the internet at uh, Kilo Sam Charlie Oxer, Oscar dot com KSCO dot, or if you're in most of California, at least in the northern part of California. You can get it on 1080 AM if you have a good radio. Well, um... Do so you want to talk about any more things, or you think that's enough for now? Well, I gotta do a hard out, because my schedule is pretty tight in the morning now, and uh, one of... I think one of the most important things to good health is a good night's sleep, so I'm pretty religious about that and I have been like that for a long time and I've always been in good health the only time I really got sick in the last 10 years is when I got a tetanus shot which was just a little bit before I was really completely 100% sure that all vaccines are toxin and poisonous but that one slipped in just I got really angry and hard about uh, this whole vaccination thing, and that was thanks to this COVID scam. So, uh, well, you're aware now. Every square inch of dirt on the planet Earth has tetanus in it. That don't bother anyone. No, I'm aware of all that now, and and I've used the COVID as an opportunity to research that, and that's what people like you and me do when we are faced with such a crazy propaganda. 
exercise, we know that we should look at uh, the other side of the story and make our own decisions. So that's when I oh, really... One, one little thing, one little thing I want to mention, which I think is very important because okay. we're mostly talking about my benefit, the benefit of our listeners, but there's another group we're not really giving a lot of thought to, which is animals. Oh, you I agree. Yeah. Now yeah. going out and saying that such and such a farmer had a chicken with avian flu, some virus, and that therefore they wanted to kill his 10,000 chickens. Well, you can imagine if you were that farmer, it would wipe out your whole business. They do the same thing to cows. They had mad cow disease in England and all this stuff. What it really is, is these interlocking cartels, these interlocking corporations, they like to create food shortages. They like to attack their competitors. They Just drive up the price. And drive up the prices. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I hope that if anyone listening, if you know any farmers that are growing chickens and pigs and some things like that, tell them there's no such thing as viruses. They're attacking you in order to push, destroy their competitors. Yeah. It's just absolutely sinister. It's economic warfare is what it is. Nothing to do with health. I agree. Right. Well, Tom, right. uh, we'll have to have you back on if you're interested. We can uh, talk absolutely. more often. Uh, you know a lot about this stuff, and I like to talk about it. And you even have an interest in EGI which doesn't happen that often with different researchers. So I think we can do a lot of chatting about that, too. That's another crazy topic, but uh, I enjoy I think that's a very important topic. And uh, it took me a while to understand it. It took me a while to see this. But um, I can remember many years ago reading people saying that um, Michelle Obama was a dude. And I thought it was sort of funny they said that. But then I read what they said, and I thought, you know what? There's going on here. And Oh, yeah, there is. So There is. Definitely. Worthy of we, we will talk about it. Well, Tom, have a great night. Thanks for joining. And, uh, yeah, God bless. God bless. And we will talk to you. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, Tom. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. And there goes Tom. And thank you guys for listening. Remember, this is member-supported. If you like the show and want to hear more, com forward slash donate. And thanks to all the people at com forward slash donors. You guys are what makes it all real. We'll try and come back. See if he uh, makes it back for the uh, crypto show. Yeah, crypto is something real and... Uh, we like to talk about it. Uncle Vigilante is a real fakeologist as well. So we will be back tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad place. Thanks and see you next time.